Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Gary Martin. Hello, Texas. Jump on in with me. Buckle up and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Topping our news today, the situation with the WOTUS rule, the waters of the U.S. rule, is just a mess. It has been going on for several years now. There have been rights and rewrites of it. The Biden administration has now decided they're going to scrap the Trump administration rule and write their own. But they are saying they're going to get input from farmers as they write it. We'll have an update on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A lot of Texas High Plains wheat fields got hit with stripe rust and wheat streak mosaic virus last season. And that's caught the attention of local wheat researchers. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Although the Texas sheep industry is at a crossroads, the demand is increasing for meat and wool products. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. September is a transition month for gardeners, and it's here. Let's talk about it. This is John Begno talking about gardening in Texas in September. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Environmental Protection Agency is in the process of rewriting the Clean Water Protection Rule, which has gone under a couple of different names depending on who's in the White House. The Obama-era Waters of the U.S. rule was very controversial in ag circles and was struck down on more than one occasion by the courts. It was replaced by the Trump administration's Navigable Waters Protection Rule, which was more accepted by farmers and ranchers. Now, the Biden administration has decided to rewrite their own version. EPA Administrator Michael Regan says he's committed to working with farmers and ranchers on the rewrite. So we are pledging to engage all of our stakeholders all across the country, be extremely transparent, learn the lessons of the past, and charge forward with a durable rule that provides certainty that doesn't overburden or penalize the small farmer while protecting water quality and, and good drinking water. And I, and I know we shared that, that goal in common. Reagan says they hope to have a preliminary rule out by November. Plains Cotton Cooperative Association members will be receiving year-end cash distributions. Cotton farmers in Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, and Kansas, who are members of the Lubbock-based Plains Cotton Cooperative Association, will split nearly $9 million in cash dividends and more than $12 million in stock retirements this year. 
PCCA recently announced the further fiscal year-end distributions for grower owners at its 68th annual meeting. Kevin Brinkley, PCCA president and CEO, said the association understands it is necessary to accept an appropriate level of risk to make money for their farmers. He said the board challenged staff to develop recommendations that would create new marketing opportunities and establish risk tolerances. He said those risk tolerances provided PCCA the freedom to identify and act on opportunities to add value to its grower owner's cotton. PCCA is a Lubbock-based marketing cooperative owned by farmers in Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and New Mexico. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. We've known all year long that sorghum acres here in Texas are going to be higher this year. The latest official numbers from USDA confirm that. Texas harvested sorghum acreage expected to be 1.83 million acres this year. That's 22% higher than 2020. As a result, production is also forecast to be higher. We're expecting to produce 121 million bushels of sorghum this year. That's up 28% from last year. Yield is expected to average 66 bushels an acre. Plant diseases are getting extra attention from High Plains wheat researchers. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. A lot of the wheat varieties grown on Texas High Plains farms were developed locally by Texas A&M AgriLife researchers based in Amarillo. And as they continue their work to develop new varieties, wheat breeder Jackie Rudd and his AgriLife colleagues are always looking for ways to improve yields, drought tolerance, and the quality of our wheat. But there are also situations that pop up and signal the need for special attention by the wheat breeding team. And Dr. Rudd says in the new season getting underway, there is a heightened focus on strengthening defenses against stripe rust, a disease that hit area fields pretty hard last season. Stripe rust is something that we don't have every year, but it can be really bad. We've made sure that all of our varieties do have good stripe rust resistance. So we're good there, but it's just something that you've got to watch out for. Sometimes early season, the biology of the stripe rust, meaning that the different biotypes that are out there, something can change and a variety that's resistant might not be resistant all season long. So those are important things to know about to just kind of keep up with what's happening. Dr. Rudd says developing more resistance to wheat streak mosaic virus is also in the pipeline, as that disease also caused a lot of problems for area farmers last season. Speaking of AgriLife, for those of you who are interested in hemp production, there are three hemp field days coming up. The first one is in Lubbock at the AgriLife Research and Extension Center on Monday, September 27th, beginning at 1.30 in the afternoon. There will also be field days on October 7th near Chillicothe and October 8th near Muleshoe. For more information, contact AgriLife Extension. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas sheep industry is at a crossroads. Tom Nicoletti explains. As the number one sheep producing state in the nation, Texas is always seeking new markets for the commodity. But the Texas sheep industry is at somewhat of a crossroads, according to Jake Thorne, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Sheep and Goat Specialist in San Angelo. In Texas and across the U.S., really, the sheep industries have contracted from uh, decades ago when there were several million animals. However, 
the opportunities in market for our products and our commodities, both meat and wool, are really increasing. And now is the time for Texas producers to take advantage of the technology that will allow them to be more efficient and profitable in their production because those marketing channels are there and will take advantage to hopefully be more prosperous in the future. Where are some of those marketing opportunities as they move forward in the future? In the large metropolitan areas, there is a tremendous demand for sheep and goat meat. And here in, in, in rural Texas, where those products are produced, we just need to make sure that we're keeping up with the demand by increasing our supply. The majority of land that is consumed in the United States actually comes from overseas. And so it's up to us here in the U.S. to increase our production or efficiency to try to meet that local demand because we're not even at 50 percent of that right now. In all reality, because we're not meeting that domestic demand, the United States is not a very big exporter of lamb and goat meat. And in fact, we're, we're mostly just an importer. Uh, so until we, we meet those, those domestic uh, needs, well, we can't even really explore too much of our exportation channels uh, just because our product is, is getting consumed here in the U.S. That is AgriLife Extension Sheep and Goat Specialist Jake Thorne. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. September is a transition month for Texas gardeners. Horticulturalist John Begno reports from San Angelo. Well, September finally got here, and we all know that September can actually be one of the warmest months, and who'll know what it's going to be like. But looking at the things we need to do, it's a great time to get plants ready for winter, but also to do some planting, whether it's vegetable gardens or whether it's trees or shrubs. September is one of the best months to get all of those kinds of things done in the landscape. So we'll start out with a little light pruning. You can go through there and do some pruning on branches that are dead. You can see the difference right now, so let's take them off. You can fertilize. We begin winterizing fertilizer along about middle of September all the way to the middle of October. And usually some of the best fertilizers are things with an analysis that's high in nitrogen and low in phosphorus and a little higher in potassium like 21714. That's one of the best fertilizers and one of the more frequently sold fertilizers for winterizer. Doesn't matter if it's for trees, doesn't matter if it's for shrubs. Just take a look back though and remember that we've been recovering from a hard freeze last February. And a lot of times we didn't do much fertilizing because we wanted these plants to heal on their own. Well, now is a great time to give them a little shot in the arm so that they can be really hardy when winter approaches. If you're in a dry area of the state right now, you do want things to be watered in September and October. As temperatures become cooler and days become shorter, you're not going to witness a lot of new growth on plants. What you'll witness is the assimilation of food. They'll store this food down in the root system, especially these plants that are going to be deciduous and lose their leaves in the wintertime, they're fixing to prepare for rest. So fertilizer is really, really important. We get a lot of questions right now about weeds, winter weeds especially. Don't jump the gun. Pre-emergence weed killers are normally in in Texas, usually put down beginning around the 1st of October through the middle of October all the way into the 1st of November. It's way too early right now. Do a little scouting around, see what plants need to be replaced, which plants you want to make it through next spring. Do a little removal, plow your gardens, plant blue bonnet seeds right now. This is John Begner reporting from San Angelo for Texas Ag Today. There are some unique hunting opportunities coming up this fall. We'll have more on that after the break. And a fire in your horse barn can be a devastating event. 
Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A fire in your horse barn is a devastating event. Dr. Bob Judd has some tips on how to decrease the risk of fires in your barn. Dr. Allen from the Gluck Equine Research Center in Kentucky indicated in the AVMA Journal that over 250 horses have died in barn fires over the last three and a half years in the United States, according to the Animal Welfare Institute, and that is only reported fires. A fire in your horse barn would have to be one of the most terrible things that could occur on a horse farm, as horses are very afraid of fire and will panic, which causes them to be injured and may cause humans to be injured that are trying to help them. The cause of most barn fires that kills farm animals is electrical heating devices or other electrical malfunctions. While a barn fire may cause damage and possible death, implementing certain safety practices and having a disaster plan can help reduce injuries and deaths. The first item is to make sure the hardware on the barn doors is easy to use so even someone unfamiliar with your barn can open the doors easily to let the horses out. People trying to help save the horses don't need to be spending valuable time figuring out some complicated gate or door latch. Also make sure the barn installs have front and back doors so the fire does not prevent access to a door. Insulate and ventilate the barn so electrical heating and cooling devices are not needed as frequently. And make sure your wiring is insulated and up to date. Wiring that is 50 years old is more likely to fail than newer wiring. Clean the barn by removing debris and cobwebs and keep hay and bedding in a separate area from the horses if possible. Fire alarms, smoke sensors, and a sprinkler system are a good idea as well, and keep an end-date fire extinguisher available. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are some unique hunting opportunities coming up this fall, but time is running out to get in on them. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. Texas hunters have just a few days left to enter the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's Big Time Texas Hunts drawing for a chance to win one of several premium guided hunt packages. This year's packages include hunts for desert bighorn sheep, white-tailed deer, Nilgai antelope, trophy alligators, doves, waterfowl, wild hogs, Rio Grande turkeys, and more. The newest hunt is the Powderhorn Cast and Blast. It is a hunting and fishing extravaganza that offers one lucky winner and a guest hunting for white-tailed deer, exotics, and waterfowl in the Powderhorn Wildlife Management Area in Calhoun County. It also includes a guided fishing trip on the Matagorda Bay. The Texas Grand Slam offers one person four separate big game hunts for desert bighorn sheep, white-tailed deer, pronghorn, and desert mule deer. The ultimate mule deer hunt is an exclusive three- to five-day hunt for a mature mule deer buck in the Texas Panhandle. The Nilgai Antelope Safari is a challenging free-range hunt in South Texas for one lucky winner and a guest. 
There's an exotic safari that allows the winner to hunt gemsbok, oryx, waterbuck, or axis deer. Hunters who enjoy bird hunting have the opportunity to enter the big-time bird hunt. That is a trio of hunts for dove, waterfowl, and Rio Grande turkeys. This year, there are 10 premium hunts total. All hunts include a guide service, food and lodging, and on-site transportation. Cost is $9 per online entry. Entries are $10 each at licensed retailers. The deadline to enter is October 15th. You can enter online on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cattle and corn traded mostly lower on Friday to wrap up the week, but we saw a big jump in the cotton market. We'll update all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed trade in the cattle complex to wrap up the week on Friday. Live cattle finished mostly lower, feeder cattle wrapping up the week mostly higher. We'll start with the live cattle market October down 30 cents, 122.92. December live cattle down 47 at 128.15. February down 32. 132.62. The feeders mostly higher. The exception was the nearby September, a very lightly traded contract about to go off the board. It was down 27. 154.62. October feeders up 50 cents. 157.35. November feeder cattle up 47. 158.57. Cash fed cattle trade this week. We ended up selling most of our cattle here in Texas at 124. Few as high as 124 and a quarter. As we move up north that big premium they've been seeing recently has backed off their sales topped out at 125 on a live basis 198 on the rail boxed beef on friday was mixed choice down a dollar 31 304.29 select was up a dollar 36 276.35 now let's check the auction barns we're walking the pens with larry marble Here's a Texas-sized glass of iced tea for you and a livestock market operator report from Rodney Butler. He sold cattle in Beeville this time of the week last week. Rodney, how did that sale a week ago go? Yeah, sir, we had a good sale Friday. The market is a little softer in spots, but overall we had a good sale, sir. We had some good cattle. Let's walk those pins. We had 304 head of cattle, four horses, and 10 goats. Your 200, 300-pound steers are $1.39 to $1.80. Heifers $1.39 to $1.48. Your 300, 400-pound steers $1.48 to $1.85. Heifers $1.33 to $1.58. Your 400, 500-pound steers $1.46 to $1.74. Heifers $1.26 to $1.59. Your 500, 600-pound steers $1.28 to $1.48. Heifers $1.29 to $1.36. Your 600, 700-pound steers $1.29 to $1.35. Heifers $1.30 to $1.33. 700, 800-pound steers $1.21 to $1.27. Heifers $1.08 to $1.14. Packer cows were pretty steady. We might have had a little stronger stocker cow. 
cow market. So Tucker cows brought anywhere from 30 to 72 cents. Bulls brought from 81 to 93. Tucker cows brought anywhere from 75 to 114. And our bred cows brought anywhere from 570 to 950. And we didn't have any pairs. And we had four horses, and they brought anywhere from 400 to 460, sir. Good. What do you think about this Friday sale? Uh, I know of uh, I know of one set of calves coming, Charlotte calves coming from one guy, and then I don't know of any other cattle right now that I know of, sir. Tell everybody how to contact you. Yeah, if I can help market your cattle down here in South Texas, call me at 361-358-1727 or call me on my mobile, 645-5002. Neighbor, I know Rodney will do his best to make today's sale a grand one, and I'll do my best to be back tomorrow with another Livestock Market Operator Report right here on Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble. Neighbor, good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs closed sharply higher on the nearby October. It jumped 252 on Friday, closing the week at 87.27. December hogs up 30 cents, 76.80. Class 3 milk was mixed nearby September down a penny, 16.53 a hundredweight. October milk up 8 at 17.35. A big jump in the cotton market to wrap up the week. If you'll remember back on Monday, we had a 300-point drop. Well, we wrapped up the week on Friday with a 300-point gain. Some very good technical factors helping to support the market throughout the week. Also, traders concerned about Hurricane Sam. Yeah, another hurricane out there making its way toward the U.S., so it is definitely getting some attention right now. We close with the December cotton contract jumping 353 points. It wrapped up the week at 95.99 cents. The corn market lower on the nearby contracts. December corn down two and a half, 526 and three quarters. If we look ahead to the new crop September 22 contract, it was up one and a quarter at 511 and three quarters. The wheat market was mixed with hard wheat lower, soft wheat higher. July Kansas City wheat down one and three quarters, 719 and a half. July Chicago wheat up two and three quarters, 716 a bushel. Rough rice was higher. November rice up seven at 1390 a hundredweight. November soybeans up three quarters, 1285 a bushel. October soybean meal down 50 cents, 336.10 a ton. In the energy markets, October natural gas was up 20 cents Friday, 517. November crude oil up 70 at $74 a barrel. The financial markets mixed with the Dow up 47 points, 34,812. The NASDAQ down 3, 15,048. The S&P up 7 points at 4,455. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I hope to see you then, right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.